Hey there, my name is Janny and I'm the host of What's On Your Mind. I interview guests about their weekly musings and Wikipedia rabbit holes, like toxic beauty standards, or the impact of redlining, or bees. Whatever it is, we'll process it together. We'll all learn a little something and take another step in creating our own stories, all while adding another laugh line to your face. All right, everybody, I have another MPHer on the podcast, and I promise I did not time it this week to be like this. Uh, I wanted to get out this episode uh, in honor of her birthday, which is this weekend. So everyone, get ready to meet Ala Axelrod. She is another person that I just happened to meet over the internet, and I'm sure you'll be able to hear it in this episode that our connection was just so strong and it's amazing to think that this was really the first time that we ever really had a conversation outside of uh, one clubhouse chat. So who is Allah? Well, she's a certified coach. She's a mental health advocate, public health professional, ex-bartender, wife, friend, eldest daughter, oldest sister, Russian immigrant, New Yorker, you name it. You are in for a treat. Allah, happy early birthday. Yeah, uh, y'all are going to love this episode. Hi, Ala. What's on your mind? Hi, Danny. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. I know we've been trying to plan this for a little while, so I'm excited to finally do this. Yeah, and I, I, I'm forgetting how we met. Was it cl- No, it was on Instagram. We it met was on, on Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> I just... still can't believe it. It's so crazy how that worked out. I know, and it's funny, and I wonder if people will kind of hear this energy with us. I mean, we've only really mm. spoken, I think. Like once. Well, yeah, once, once where I could hear your voice, which was on a clubhouse, yeah. but it was so weird. I mean, I felt like we just automatically clicked. Like clicked like that. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy because I know, like I had found your page through some someone's page and I commented on a, on a post of yours because I really liked it. And then I think you DM'd me because you were like, oh, you know, I also have a master's in public health. And then we started talking back and forth and I was like immediately just drawn to your energy we feel like it feels like we're so aligned in yeah. so many ways yeah. same here same here well I mean let's let's chat public health first because I feel like yeah. maybe that's actually something we haven't really um like really talked too much about yeah. but yeah I mean that was one of the first things I saw was that you had written mm-hmm. like you know you have an MPH and I was like I do too <laughs> so what's kind of your your thing what's your passion thing around public health so that's um yeah, you're right. It's such a huge field. And I kind of got into it, not by accident, but it wasn't just a really straightforward road. Um, I was originally pre-med, so I was applying to medical schools. Like, I applied twice. It was so stressful. It was just like completely a traumatizing experience, you could say. Um, and, you know, when I was applying the second cycle, I started to understand that I was kind of more drawn to the context in which health exists and how different people experience health and I realized that there's so many other factors other than you know your illness or just genetics biology which is what I studied Um, my undergrad was in biological sciences so um, I was like you know why don't I do a dual degree and go for an MPH an MD MPH and I ended up not getting into the MD but I got accepted to the MPH I was like might as well. Um, and I loved, like, I loved it so much. I, I focused on community health sciences. Um, and my, like, not dissertation, what would you, like, the final project was on um, social determinants in young adult male mental health, which was, like, 
super interesting for me. And it was just, yeah, you know, I, I really realized I, I'm kind of grateful that that was the road that it, that I didn't get into medical school, to put it frankly, because I feel like I fit in so much more and so much better here. And also learning these things that I feel like I never learned, like social determinants, all the systems that exist, um, systemic racism, um, how like our gender, sexuality, all of these things affect how we experience health and how we're able to access health and all of these things. I just, I'm really grateful that that was uh, how I got into it, but I ended up um, veering more towards like the mental health aspect of it, which is kind of how I ended up becoming a coach because I felt that it was a good way to access people who might kind of be veered away from traditional forms of mental health, you know, therapy, psychologists, psychiatrists, things like that, and help people kind of create actionable changes. So that's to sum it up really, really quickly. Your story aligns with mine so much that it's bizarre. Like this is bonkers. <laughs> it's, and it's crazy. I mean, and for the pe- people out there kind of know my story a little bit as I've mm-hmm. shared bits and pieces and in different episodes and long story short, I was also pre-med for the longest time (laughs) and also kind of found my way into public health by total accident. And it was like the best accident I could have ever asked for. And same thing, like I'm so happy that the medical school thing didn't work out. And Mm -hmm. similar to you, um, my experience just with the whole, preparing yourself academically for med school, Mm -hmm. preparing yourself emotionally for medical school, preparing yourself for just the rigor and then Mm -hmm. the application process, the testing process, just the people that you surround yourself with of everyone, all of that energy applying to medical school. There were so many things that were just Mm -hmm. bringing me down and I didn't get as far to, um, actually go through with even up, up applying to medical schools. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think the closest I got was actually when I was applying to undergraduate schools, I got um, accepted for an interview at a, at mm-hmm. a seven-year program that had a medical school. Oh my God. Oh yeah. I remember you telling yeah. me that. And at that point, again, I was just like, that is too much of a commitment too that much. scares the crap out of me. Mm-hmm. What I did do was I ended up taking the MCAT twice, which mm-hmm. I've only Thanks. recently <laughs> kind of been public about because I was humiliated for the longest time. Not, it was humiliation on two levels. It was like one, yeah, I don't, I didn't really want other people to know, Mm. but most of the humiliation was coming from within my own self. Like I was just like disgusted and so disappointed in myself that I couldn't, Mm -hmm. couldn't handle this test and secretly ended up taking it another time in a city that was far away from my friends so that I didn't have to talk about it and did worse the second time probably because I just psyched myself out and Mm -hmm. um, similar to you you know I, I knew that I was interested in health and then finally I think once I really closed that door on medical school I really just started to open my eyes finally to just like okay what are all the other ways out there that I can study the things that I'm interested in? And 
that's when I learned very slowly about public health. And it's funny, we're actually recording this on Earth Day. And oh, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I've always been someone that's been really interested in that intersection of environment and people, mm. just like what you were saying. And so mm. my undergrad was in environmental engineering. So all about like bringing clean water to people, environmental justice, environmental mm-hmm, racism. Mm-hmm. And then my MPH was, uh, again, similar to yours, it was community health, but from like a science research perspective, Uh uh like what drives behavior change, fell in love. And and similarly, you know, I don't want to make an assumption about the Mm -hmm. medical program because I've never been through it, obviously. But (laughs) I will say that from people that I've talked to, I think that in in a public health program, you do get more exposure to that systems level change because yes. it's less about that, uh, you know, providing healthcare to mm-hmm. a person. And it is more about that systems level. So I don't think I would have had this same exposure to learn about, you know, racism and to look at, at health from an actual inequity perspective. And, and I, you know, now knowing, knowing who I am now, I couldn't really imagine, you know, studying or doing knowing it. that yeah, and doing anything. I was else thinking of that, you know, kind of recently I was like, because right now, if you meet, if you meet me now, it kind of, I know I have really strong opinions. And if you see, you know, on my Instagram and stuff. Um, and then I, I, I was thinking back to it the other day and I was like, I don't feel like I had these opinions prior to my um, public health program. Because it was like, I didn't, I wasn't, I had no exposure to it. I had some, um, because I minored in human rights. So there was that aspect to it. But, uh, and when I talk to my friends who are currently in medical school, like the programs are so rigorous, I can't even imagine. But I really feel like there is that level of uh, systems that's missing. Yeah. And, and I feel like it's important, which is why, uh, yeah, I'm so, I'm so grateful that I ended up doing it. And, you know, I, I was kind of nodding along when you were talking about the MCAT because I also took it twice and I feel like and sometimes like I'm really embarrassed to admit this but like when I got that first score I feel like that was one of the worst things that crushed my self-esteem and that was around the time where like my mental health just started crumbling in general and uh and I think back to that I was like wow it's just crazy how you internalize so much of this pressure the academic pressure the the stress of everyone around you and kind of define your whole identity around this number. Yeah. I, I did the same thing. I retook it and I got the exact same score, just a little bit different, like to the point. Yeah. A little <laughs> bit of a different distribution. I was like, wow, you know, so glad that I put myself through this again. How many people out there probably have the same story as us, you know, mm-hmm. and, and maybe mm-hmm. not so much that the, you know, maybe it's not about medical school, but something about, you know, where you've worked your whole life towards something, yeah. you get to that thing and then, you know, something happens to where you have to pivot and mm-hmm. you can't necessarily, you know, do the thing that, you know, you felt like you're quote supposed to do. And yeah. And knowing that you're a coach and I know, you know, the conversations that we've had, Mm -hmm. that seems like also something that we have in common of just like wanting to share that message with people of just that, you know, it's okay to rewrite your story and it's okay Mm -hmm. to rediscover the things that you're interested in. And it's okay to, you know, hold your, it's okay to set 
set goals for yourself and and hold yourself to a standard, but it's also okay to change your mind and change your goals. And yeah. I, I want to talk to you a little bit about your coaching. And I know you also, you mentioned your, your passion and mental health and specifically mm-hmm. for men, because that conversation is missing in, in that whole community. And what's kind of that overlap or is there an overlap between your coaching and your mental health? Or are those kind of two separate passion projects for you? I feel like um, they definitely go hand in hand. And I, and I really resonated with what you were saying about um, kind of having to pivot. But it, I don't even look at it so much as pivoting as getting down to the root of what are you actually looking to gain? Like, where are you trying to go? Because for me, and I'm not, I'm not sure if this was the same for you, when I was applying to medical schools, my goal was to get into medical school. Yeah. And afterwards, I was like, let me really get down to the root of it, because the root of it is that I wanted to help people, which is a common goal, right? And you can help people with so many ways that can feel just as fulfilling for you, that, um, you know, it might not be the straightforward road, the first door that you open, but there are so many other ways that you can, um, that you can help. So I, I ended up, I didn't even know about that coaching was a thing. Until my therapist mentioned, she was like, you know, like, I know that you're really passionate about this. Have you ever considered coaching? I was like, huh, uh, that's strange because I kind of had um, some negative connotations about it, some some beliefs. And I started looking into it and I found an amazing school um, run by this woman who is just like incredible. She also comes from Brooklyn. She's um, just, her name is Aisha Amatala and I can send you the link to her school if anyone's interested. But, um, and, and, it, and her story kind of mirrored mine where she was like, you know, I wanted to become kind of a mental health therapist, but school was so expensive and I couldn't afford it. And then I found out about coaching and saw that that's another way that you can help. So the way that I look at it and um, it just so happens that in my, in my life, I've been surrounded by uh, more like masculine energy. Most of my friends are guys, uh, just just in general, that just happened to be the case. And I, as you know, used to work in a restaurant. I've been bartender, manager, wait, wait, server, everything that you could think of. And um, most of my team was guys also. And I kind of saw this, this common thread where mental health wasn't discussed at all, you know, among, among these guys. And they were, you know, a lot of them were in high school. And I really felt like, they had these beliefs that like, I would never go to a therapist. I would never speak to someone about this because like, I'm fine. And coaching seemed more like something that'd be comfortable with. And I've, and I've actually coached uh, a couple of them and they were like, wow, this is really not something that I expected to be okay with. And I felt so comfortable and it was so helpful. So for me, like you said, because there is so much of that conversation that is like, it doesn't seem like it's for men, you know? And of course, you know, we're not like, there's so many things when it comes to gender in general, that's complicated. And I feel like at the end of the day, you have to find your people and the population that you feel most natural serving. And I feel like that's for any job. Um, So, so that, you know, I'm totally like, I've coached women, I've coached men, I've I'm totally open, but in general, just seems to like resonate a little bit better with that energy. And I, and I love doing it. What are like the top issues that you feel like people know that they want to work on Mm -hmm. or find through this, their sessions that 
it's what they want to work on. You know what I mean? Like some people yeah, maybe come yeah. in thinking it's one thing and then you through mm-hmm. like a little bit of talking, they're like, oh, actually, apparently that's exactly not the underlying it is. issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and like most of the people that I work with and I target um, young adults, like age 20 to maybe 35. And the underlying thing is... That seems like a good point for a break. Time for some ads. Common Good Clay is a polymer clay earring business born out of a love of unique, playful statement jewelry, plus a desire to do good and give back. For each piece sold, 15% is donated to nonprofits advancing social justice. Because at Common Good Clay, we believe that your earrings should not only look good, but do good too. Sales are currently benefiting the YWCA to support their work eliminating racism, empowering women, and promoting peace, justice, freedom, and dignity for all. All of Common Good Clay's earrings are handmade by me, Marisa, in my home studio in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Check out Common Good Clay on Instagram at commongoodclay or on Etsy at commongoodclay.etsy.com. And now back to the show. And the underlying thing is people who feel like they're not who they should be or where they should be. Mm. There's a little bit of that like quarter life crisis where you feel like I should have done more by now or it's like everyone else has it figured out and I don't. And you feel a little bit behind. And I think it's kind of says a lot about our generation. Like I'm turning 30 in July and I feel like so many of people of my friends who are similar uh, ages feel the same way. It's like, I'm just not where I should be or where I thought I would be. But when you get down to it, a lot of it is, is there's limiting beliefs and confidence yeah. and past things that may not have gotten resolved, you know, not the things that we haven't moved past, whether it's, uh, you know, like if it was, if I was coaching myself, I would be like, wow, like you should probably keep working on that. Uh, stuff that you feel about not getting into medical school and how it's tied into your identity. Um, but when you work with people from all different backgrounds, there is a similarity where uh, there's something that just feels like I'm not where I should be. Mm. And, and I love helping people. And I know that um, we talk, like, I loved your Ted talk about what's your story. And I, I've asked, I I love asking people that too, because people feel more comfortable defining themselves by what they do at work. And there's so much more to it. Yeah. And I love asking people, what would you do for the rest of your life, even if you never got paid for it? Yeah. And then once you, you know, tease that out, it, all of this stuff comes out. That's just beautiful and amazing. And you're like, see, it's not that you're lazy. It's not that you're procrastinating. It's that you're just not working within your passion you're not working to your strengths and we all have strengths. Um, we all have things that are more difficult to us, but instead of working so hard to get rid of those, we should be working harder to build up the things that we're really good at, the things that excite us, the things that make us, you know, want to wake up in the morning. So, so I would say, I would say that that's kind of been the underlying commonality. Yeah, that's, I love, I love hearing that um, because that's similar to kind of the people that I Mm. end up talking to, too. The biggest thing that I hear are people saying, I feel lost, which is literally the same Mm -hmm. thing, not feeling like you are where you're supposed to be and feeling lost. And I was actually speaking at a um, virtual conference. Mm -hmm. Um, I was basically asked, you know, can you do an interactive workshop based off Mm -hmm. of your TED talk? And so that activity actually that I mentioned in my TED talk 
workshop that I used to do mm-hmm. with graduate students where you're literally going back and looking at different experiences in your, in your life and saying, okay, this, this like made me happy. I learned this, like all mm-hmm, these things. Mm-hmm. I actually watch people through them, through that exercise in that, in that seminar. That's amazing. And the number of people who afterwards were just like, I don't feel lost anymore. Like before I listened <laughs> wow, to Wow, that's been, incredible. I've been thinking like, you know, like what the heck am I doing with my life? Or like, mm-hmm, how the mm-hmm. heck did I end up here? I'm not, you know, uh, ev- ev- same thing as you. Like, oh, everyone I look look at, you know, they have their life all figured out. Yeah. I'm just here kind of floundering. And I'm just like, but now when you look back and you read your story, you realize you're exactly where you were, you were meant to be. Like mm-hmm. life experiences all the, the seemingly meaningless jobs and seemingly yep. experiences, they've led to you to become who you are today with your thoughts and your perspectives and your perceptions. And I think that's the biggest thing. People just need to be reminded that your path is still your path. That means it's mm-hmm. a path. You are where you're supposed to be. You're not yeah. where uh, first, exactly. I love that. I would have loved to have been at that workshop because that sounds like it was incredible. Um, but absolutely. it's And I feel like so many of us don't even know ourselves that well. Like, what are your strengths? What, and I do this really cool strengths activity um, with my with my clients where we try to figure out, like, what are your passions? Not or your values, even not not your parents, not your friends, not values that you feel like you should have or strengths that you feel like you should have like what are the things that come most naturally to you where you're just flowing um that that you don't even have to work or pretend like you have Mm. and that's been kind of the most transformative thing for me is figuring out uh, like there are obviously things that I'm good at that I don't even think are that big of a deal and that people are like wow like how do you do that and those are the things that you should grab onto and you can definitely apply that to something like a job search or figuring out what to do with you know your education where you want to go um and I've actually uh tried that activity as well for people who are struggling with the job search Mm. because you know I feel like a lot of us leave jobs based on feelings like you know you're like oh my god I can't take this anymore I'm gonna quit but we don't look for jobs based on feeling. We look for them as like criteria or what qualifications and things like that. And if we could put a little bit of that, like, how do I feel? Like, what, why was I drawn to this job description and not this one? Right. And, and trying to find that pattern and be like, okay, actually, like what I'm looking for is uh, a structured environment where someone tells me what to do and I do it and then I get exactly like you know it's so much more fulfilling and then you can really sell yourself and present yourself as like hey this is what I have to offer so so when you're looking for a job so you're not looking for um the description and feeling like you're not good enough and oh my god like they're gonna um feel like criticize my credentials you're looking at it and saying okay are they even the best fit for me Mm -hmm. you know and do they have the qualities that I'm looking for I love that so much. I always tell people like interviews are kind of a two-way street. Like they're mm-hmm. interviewing you, but you like exactly like what you said, you need to yeah. have knowledge and confidence in your own skills um, and, and values exactly like mm-hmm. you said to mm-hmm. say, does it, like, are we a good fit for each other? Um, and you're, and you won't be able to answer that question unless you have gone through, you know, a value assessment or a um, something like that to really, really know yourself. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. And I feel like that's hard. How do you 
a lot of us don't know ourselves because we're, you know, we have so many mixed messages coming in and we're looking at social media and we're comparing ourselves and it's really hard to tease out like what's actually me or what's me with all the outside influences that I feel like I should have. Yeah. I love what you said when you were like, what values do I have? Not what values do I think I'm supposed to have? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a big one for me because I'm always like, oh, like I should X, Y, Z or like I should be, you know, this and this. And that should is so insidious yeah. and it is, and it causes so much stress because like what, you know, I should have my house clean. Like why? You don't have to have your house clean. You don't have to go to work. You know, you could choose not to go to work. And then obviously you're going to have certain consequences, but it's a choice. Hmm. Um, and I feel like figuring out where, what you mean when you say I should is really important. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and another thing that you said too, which um, I really liked too, is when you were talking about uh, doing your certain skills at your job. I also mm. um, tell people too, you know, just because you're really good at something, if it doesn't bring you joy, don't market that you do yeah. it because then you're going oh, get, to keep getting hired to do something that you don't mm. want to do. <laughs> that's, a, that's such a great point because, you know, I feel like, and I don't know if you can relate to this, but there are things that I've been told since I was a kid, like, oh my God, you would be such a good doctor or whatever <laughs> or like you're such a you know oh I, I have a good example I used to paint um and play the piano I was you know I'm an immigrant I was born in Russia and like everyone who was born in Russia plays the piano so I went through like seven years of taking uh, art classes and piano classes and I can't say that I loved it but we had to create paintings and every year we had a, a showing and to this day my grandma will be like Oh, like, why didn't you ever finish this painting? You know, you're so good at it. You should, and I'm like, because I've literally never done it for myself. Yeah. I've done it to get a mark checked off or I've done it to make someone a present. It was never just for my soul. And figuring out what do you do that's just for you, that's just for your soul, not because you're good at it. You could be absolutely excellent at it. But if it's not something that you're willing to do every single day, um, why do it? And there's also not going to be as any money amount that's going to be enough uh, at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, everything you said <laughs> with just resonates with me so much. A big part of my journey has been figuring out what it is that I'm doing for myself versus mm -hmm. what I'm doing um, for the perception of others. And mm. others could be everything from friends to family to just a stranger I meet on the street, you know, like there's just something innate in my human being, which I really, uh, care about mm -hmm. perception of me. That is, I that can, is, I can that, relate to that. That is at the core of who I am. And yeah. because of that, similarly, ever since I was little, I've had to kind of really do a, a, a hard reflection to say, okay, these hobbies that I did, the way that I approach my academics, the books that I read, um, mm -hmm. the interests that I have, are these actually mine or mm. am I doing them because I didn't want to let people down or disappoint, or I didn't want to give up. Um, and the good thing is, is that I think looking back, most things I have done, I, I can say that I've done it for myself. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, and, and I love like, um, when I work with my clients, you can catch the moment where they're talking about something that's a true passion that's a tr because you know they can go on forever and there's like light in their eyes they're um 
the pace of their speech uh, speeds up a little bit and it's like more animated body language. And I try to catch that in myself too, because like, I'll be talking to my husband and I'm like, blah, 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 blah. and I'm like, wait, what am I talking about? And, and kind of make a mental note of that. And little by little, when you start bringing awareness to it, you could build this picture of like, I absolutely have passions and interests that I could talk about forever. Um, and not all of the things that I feel like I should have as a passion are, necess- are necessary for me to have. You know, I, I have limited amount of energy and I want to put it into the things that genuinely brings me joy and that makes me feel fulfilled and that makes me feel excited to work and wake up and, and put the work in. And I think that that's, that's what matters. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I go back to that Marie Kondo's book about what is it? Of t- tidiness or something tidiness, like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she has that phrase of, you know, when you're cleaning your house, you know, keep things that bring you joy. And mm-hmm. I feel like a big part of what I've had to do the past couple of years is to like do that to my own brain <laughs> and yeah, do that. To, I, I can relate. I think doing that has been really good for my mental health. It's just mm-hmm. like a big old cleanup. <laughs> it, could be, it, could, it feels like a weight off, you know? Yeah. And um, I love that because I, I watched a couple of the episodes of the Netflix show. And now anytime I go to throw anything out, I'm like, like this is bring me joy. And if it doesn't, you know, I thank it. I, like, and now it's subconscious. And then I, I get rid of it because it doesn't. And you're right. We have to do that in our brains too because, you know, we're all holding on to some kind of beliefs. And some beliefs, even something like anxiety, can be absolutely necessary for survival and can fuel us and can uh, make us better at whatever it is that we're doing. I know it does for me in certain regards, but in other places, it's like, okay, is it working for me or against me? And and learning that something is working against you, you could be like, okay, like I appreciate that you're here, but I'm going to let you go for now. You know, I know you serve a purpose, but right now, like anxiety isn't what I need. Mm. even if it's alerting me to something important because everything has a purpose. It's not so much like, Oh my God, this shouldn't be here. It's more so figuring out what is it trying to tell you? Oh, and um, I love that. Yeah. Rearranging that your mindset a little bit. I love that. I mean, and circling back that goes all that mm. kind of revisits what we were talking about of, of mental health um, and that yeah. there's just a clear overlap between all this stuff. And, and I love that what you said of just even what we traditionally think of as our negative feelings mm. that there, there's still validity in those. There's yeah. still a purpose in that. And me as someone with anxiety and depression, mm. I, I can totally say that. Yeah. Sometimes that that anxiety does give me that boost to, to get things done or mm-hmm. that anxiety is the thing that reminds me that I care so deeply about things. Those are things that I really like about myself that mm-hmm. if I didn't have anxiety and depression, maybe I wouldn't have those qualities about me. So I really like that you said that, that even with okay. those things, there's there's a purpose and some good to even, even to some of that darkness. Yeah. And, and it's it's really just bringing acceptance to all parts of you, that there's no part of you that's bad. There's no um, part of you that's wrong or that shouldn't be there. It's more so, okay, let's figure out where it fits in. You know, um, anxiety, like you said, is there for a reason. Depression is a natural response to a lot of the things that happen to us or that are happening in the world. And um, and I feel like if we could, and we, if we can bring that compassion to ourselves, we can bring that compassion to the people in our lives. Although a lot of the times we have kind of an easier time being compassionate to others than we do to ourselves. <laughs> yeah. 
but yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. And then relating that again, back to coaching, same thing, just bad or good, uh, you know, experiences or Mm. work jobs or professional opportunities, you know, Mm -hmm. everything that people have done in your life, you know, has value. It's had purpose and it's just putting that story together, telling your story. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Allah. I'm so happy that I've gotten to know you through this wonderful process <laughs> and uh, the internet space that has I know. become it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. my reality. And um, <laughs> I just, I look forward to continuing to get to know you. I feel like just our, our self perspectives and also our teachings align so well. So um, I just look forward to all the cool things that I feel like are going to be in our future. And for everyone out there who has resonated with um, your story and your perspective as much as I have, where can they find you? Mm They can find me on my Instagram. Um, it's Axelrod Coaching. And I have a website as well where you could book a free session. I always offer a free 30-minute consultation. Kind of helps people get to know me, get my vibe, and see if we're a good fit. And I also give some actionable tools and, and tips on that session as well. So I definitely recommend if you're looking into coaching to to use that. And thank you so much for having me here today. It's really been a pleasure. Like, I feel like we could talk for hours. Um, So, and I love that we are so aligned in so many ways and really thanks to Instagram that we even found each other. I know. Instagram, if you're listening, I won't say no to ad money. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for supporting the podcast. Subscribe wherever podcasts are found. And of course, rate, review, and share with a friend. If you want to learn more about me, you can check out my website, jannyrad.com. That's J-A-N-I-R-A-D.com. Head on over to jannyrad.com slash podcast and click on support the show. Check out my Instagram at jannyrad.me. Love the podcast music? That's BK Williams. You can follow him on Instagram, Brian K underscore Williams 28. Thanks for listening.